get some tunes going this morning. It's fine Monday morning, June 26, 2023. Let's go. You know the vibes? Gotta get the energy going this morning. About cameras. And I'm the cameraman. Say we the cameraman. Huh? Yeah, started on a 50 mil lens. Now I'm about to bag 50 mil yen. Almost. Shoot all day, I got stamina. Turtleneck on with my camera. Yeah, stay creamy, man. That's what they say. Shoes laced up, and I came to play. First team, I'm a superstar. Let's get it. Cream like a Georgia bar. Yeah, you have to face it. Let's get back to basics. I'm gonna take the shot. Get some folks here this fine Monday morning. We got quite a bit to talk about. Chase Burns. In here, transfer portal. That's bad news, boy. Got an update on DeAndre Hopkins. It ain't much, but it's some a lot of shit going on in the Premier League with transfers. Good weekend to baseball. Nashville AC, they lost again. I figured they would though. They had to rotate a lot of guys. Pause. Yeah, kid. A lot of baseball to talk about today. A lot of baseball to talk about today. Let's get it. Shots and now I'm starting to stutter. Vision getting blurry. I should check my shutter. I'm the cameraman. I need my camera, madam. Shoot my shot like a man's letter. I develop film. Not feelings. Ooh, I develop film. Not feelings. Ooh, I develop. Let's get it. Not feelings. Folks in this something gone. New little layout today for y'all too. Make it simpler. Vibes right, get the vibes right. Take the shot. You know I'm gonna take the shot. Take the shot. Sports section morning show. You know the vibes. I develop film, not feelings. Ooh, I develop film, not feelings. Gonna start your week off. I know you don't feel like going to work. I know you don't feel like getting your day started, your weekend ended, but you started with TFTV and the sports section morning show. You're gonna be alright. You're gonna be alright. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. All right. All right. All right. Good morning, Buendia. Bonjour. Welcome to the Sports Section Morning Show. I'm your hilarious and highly favored host, B-Will. How y'all doing this Monday morning? We're going to get it going. We're going to get it going. We're going to get it going. We got a lot to talk about today. Like I said, we got Chase Burns in there in Transfer Portal. A little small update on DeAndre Hopkins with the Titans and Patriots. See where that situation is going. Got a lot of Premier League to talk about. What else we got? What else we got? A little bit of Arsenal. Nashville SC lost over the weekend. U.S. men's national team drew to Jamaica. Jamaica Mon over the weekend. A lot of MLB to talk about. We're going to touch on some Aaron Judge shit too. And then some PGA. Had a high scoring uh, event over the weekend. Guy came in at 23 under. And then Rory bitching and complaining, of course. But he does that every fucking week. But here we go. Let's let's get into Chase Burns. Chase Burns. Chase Burns. So, per reports over the weekend, it says Chase Burns has entered the transfer portal, and he's filed the paperwork, of course, to do it. So, 
course, that gets all the the high pan and the the highly prestigious college baseball programs around the around the nation. They they perk up when they hear that. That's a premier arm that's available now. And he hasn't closed the door on Tennessee per Joe, Joe Doyle, but I mean he's out there, and you know it's it's the wild wild west right now. And I'm curious to see what y'all think in the comments or or in the chat what y'all think about the NIL and how that's impacting all sports. It's not just football, or it's not just basketball. You know, it's it's every sport. And supposedly he's looking for a a figure like a a deal north of six figures, and he'll get that. You know, as as well as he performed coming out the bullpen, I mean, somebody looks at people are looking at him as a starter arm anyway. You know that the bullpen move. I hope that's not what uh, you know factored into his decision. Hopefully, he's just testing the market, just like free agency. I mean, the shit is free agency basically. Hopefully, he's testing the market to see if he can get his worth or what he feels like his worth is or what his family feels like his worth is. You got to think these guys are kids. You know, don't I don't know too much about his family or anything like that, but. You know, some of these guys are coming are coming from families that don't have all the tools and the generational wealth and money that is required and wanted in this world nowadays. So that's a tool to get it right there. And he has the talent to do it now and in the future because the guy's going to be a pro. The guy's going to be a hell of a baseball player for years to come. But that don't mean he shouldn't be getting his bag now. Honestly, you know, I'm all for the man getting his bag and Tennessee's got to nut up or shut up. Pay the man his money. They got it, you know, especially for a premier arm like him because he deserves it, you know, especially coming off the back of that performance on the national stage in the College World Series. I mean, like five, six innings pitch coming out the bullpen, nine Ks, you know, just untouchable, no walks, didn't give him nothing, gave him jack shit. You can't let an arm like that go, you know. he's can, He can single-handedly pull a team you know, on Fridays or Saturdays of the weekend and, and start start off the series right, you know. He's going to set the tone for the weekend, an arm like that. He's going to. And you, you really can't let a guy like that go, especially if he still has plans of entertaining the thought of staying in Tennessee, which from all reports he does. He's not closing the door on Tennessee. He's just trying to see what's in the market for him and his talents, which I don't doubt he'd get north of six figures. I mean, he might get he might get that in cash. <laughs> he might get a, a, a some some trucks and shit. Who knows? Who knows what the dude likes? But he'll he'll get all that and and the little six figure deal that he wants. But you know, Tennessee's got to pay the price if they want him. What it seems like. So I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't even balk at the six figure deal. Just imagine how much how important he is to the program. Not to mention that, but the message that sends two players so that so it's a two-sided coin so the message that it sends to the players currently at the team or coming to the team that hey we take care of our own you perform for us you'll be compensated for it i mean that's what nil i mean that's what nil has gotten to at this point i mean it's damn near pay to play basically the way i'm looking at it it's the wild wild west but on the flip side of that when you don't and you balk at those prices. Yeah, you can set a standard and say, hey, we're not going to do this. We're not going to get roped into this conundrum of uh, paying a guy every year, doubling whatever we were giving him and, and yada, yada, yada. But you look at your team and you can turn around and give that to a, a, a transfer, somebody outside of the family. That's not cool either. So it's a balancing act that Vitello and all these other college coaches have to play. It's tough. Tough. It's a balancing act. But for me, 
I know me, if I was a player on that team, I would prefer our family to stay as a family. I would prefer our best players to stay our best players. And I prefer Chase Burns to stay at Tennessee, no matter what it was. I mean, he's producing. Those guys, you know a guy, when, when he goes out to the mound that day, you know you got a hell of a chance to win. And you can't let that go. You just can't. And I, if I tell him those that, it's just a matter if they can, if they will, they can. If they will pull the funds needed to uh, to get this taken care of, which I hope they do. But I also hope that Chase Burns gets his worth in the market. Selfishly, I'd want him to stay at Tennessee. But in that same token, I mean, the guy deserves every dollar he gets. So he's due. And this is his, this might be, he's a sophomore, I think, this year. So this might be his last chance to get that NIL money before he can actually go to the draft, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, I can't blame him. I cannot blame him. I'm curious to know what y'all think about that. Do y'all think Chase Burns, you think he's right to enter the transfer portal if he wants? Should he show some loyalty to Tennessee? What do y'all think here? Let me know in the comments or let me know in the chat. We'll get this day started. Get this day started. And we'll touch on that later when we take some calls. Let's talk about Titans. Titans, 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 Titans. So, I misspoke on the last podcast. I said training camp. I think I said training camp starts in June 25th. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. It was early. But June, training camp starts on July 25th. It's a whole month later. So, I was hoping and optimistic that we would have got a deal done for D-Hop soon within the next week or so. But it's going to be the next month or so, I'm thinking. So we do have a report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. I'm going to read this for y'all real quick. He says, there's a lull in the action right now. Training camp's not for a month. Not a lot of rush to get the deal done. He met with the Titans, met with the Patriots. Both teams made clear that they have major interest in signing him. I'm told there was some mutual interest and respect between the Patriots and Hopkins that something could go down, but they couldn't get the deal done while he was on the visit. You still have teams like maybe the Chiefs, if they could clear up some money later, closer to training camp, then they get involved. There's some contenders there, but right now he is staying put and waiting for the right situation. So for me, I don't I don't really take too much into that. I don't really take too much into that. Especially with the with the little nugget of the Patriots them thinking they they would have been able to get a deal done while he was there. If they would if they thought they could get a deal done when he was there, they would have had the damn deal done. You know? You could say the same thing about the Titans, you could say the same thing about any team that hosts a visit of a player. If they're serious enough and they want him enough, they won't let the man leave the building. They won't. And he left both buildings. So the Chiefs I am worried about if they can clear the cap space. So they've got a holdout right now with uh, Chris Jones, I want to say. One of their D linemen is holding out, premier D linemen. And they need they need that piece, you know, especially they don't have the – Well, I ain't going to say they need it, but that's their recipe that they've been using over the last couple of years is just enough defense, just enough stops to give Mahomes a chance to – be Mahomes, and it's proven to work. It, uh, it obviously worked last year. I mean, Mahomes dragged him to the Super Bowl, and that defense played played well down the stretch for Chiefs standards, in, in my opinion. But Chris Jones, and I want to say it's Chris Jones. Let me let me confirm that before I go on a tangent about that. But it's one of their premier D linemen that's holding out slash holding in, which is the new holding out now. Yeah, Chris Jones. Entering to the final year of his four-year $80 million contract. So he he's holding out because he wants a he wants a new deal. He wants to stay in Kansas City. And I don't blame him. Shit, you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side of the ball taking you to Super Bowls and AFC championships every year. But they've got a decision to make if they want to pay him or do they want to sink some more money into the receiver position, which they won last year without without sinking that much money in the receiving position. They had some some uh 
ain't gonna call them ragtag guys, but they didn't have a premier number one alpha X Z receiver in their ranks. You know, they had Juju, uh, MVS, uh, my guy Kadarius Tony. You know, and he could be that guy this year. But they didn't have that premier D Hop Devonte Adams who he had a charge. He got a charge over the weekend, I think. Uh, let me see, Mike Mike Allen, uh, Mike I don't Mike Evans. I mean, I don't know what the fuck confuse him and Keenan Allen. Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, those those molded guys. They didn't really have that in their in their fold. And Mahomes still took him to the Super Bowl. And still was Mahomes MVP caliber, if not MVP season. So. It's sort of wasteful to put receiving, put uh, sink more money into that receiving position, unless Mahomes goes goes to the coach or goes to the owners and say, "Hey, I need more help right here," which he he very well could. But he also knows that he needs his defense a little more. He can do the he can take care of the offensive side of the ball damn near by itself. He's gonna put the ball in the bread basket. All they gotta do is catch and and run a little bit. But he knows he need he can't be on the field when when they're defending and. There's teams running like how the recipe used to be to beat Kansas City would just run for try and run for 200 yards and take the air out the ball. You know, Chris Jones stops that. You know, their their other D lineman, I forget his name, the the tackle, he stops that. <clears throat> so Mahomes knows that it's a it's a balance, just like anything else. He's already taking less money. I don't and he needs to he needs to get his worth, man. I'm I'm tired of him taking less money. Burrow's talking about taking less money. I need them to I need them to break the market, get these teams out of here. But, you know, he's sacrificing money so he could get a better defense, get get a couple better receivers, get a better line, you know. If D-Hop goes there, then that could be an issue because they're, they're one of the better ones at managing injuries and having everybody healthy at the right time. Andy Reid does a great job of that. And with D-Hop's recent injury history the last year or two, which was quote-unquote injuries, I mean, we don't we don't really even know. But it'd be trouble. It'd be trouble if they got them. Yeah, we Pardue said we need them to break the banks. Those front us. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. They need to put a, a a minimum on these these tier these quarterbacks of this magnitude, like Burrow and Mahomes. Them cats need to be making about seventy a year. We need to we need to uh, bust down the Chiefs and and Bengals. They shouldn't be able to have T Higgins and Jamar Chase and and uh, who's that who's that DN they got out there? What's that boy name? They shouldn't be able to have these guys. They shouldn't, you know, with 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 great caliber, great caliber O lines behind them too, man. It's just you can't have that. But that's also the perks of having a quarterback on a rookie deal, being able to do that too. In the in the Titans, in the Titans' perspective, <clears throat> having uh, you know, hopefully, either Willis or Levis will be able to shine here in the next here in the next year or so, and we'd be able to transition to a rookie quarterback, having a quarterback on a rookie deal. Being able to spread that money to other positions, whether that's receivers, O line, D line, we don't really we ain't spend too much money on secondary absent a well besides Byard and Hooker, but corners, all of them are still on their rookie deals, young or veteran minimums. Besides Murphy Bunton, but you know that's the that's the that's what you get when you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal, man. That's the secret. That's the recipe. That's the sauce. That's what the Eagles just did, you know. Hurts on a rookie deal. They're paying everybody. Everybody getting paid up in Philly. You know? That's what it is. But as far as the update goes with D Hop, and I don't I don't really think it's too much of an update. It's just regurgitating what everybody already knows. I think the only new nugget of information there is that uh you know, there's 
They said it was mutual interest and respect between the Patriots and Hopkins, which, I mean, of course, he's going to have that with Vrabel and the Titans too. So I'm not too worried about that little bit, but I am worried about the longer this goes. And this plays in Hopkins' hand. This needs to be smart to do this. Just to stretch it out a little more, you've already got offers on the table from both teams, especially if they didn't put a deadline on it, which I doubt they did on the deal. But the longer you stretch this out, the more teams around the league get desperate. The the more injuries can happen, which will force teams' hand, like the Chiefs and such. If they have an injury to a receiver, they're going right in for Hopkins, I'd imagine. They have to. They have to. So that's what I'm worried about. The longer this stretches out, the more possibility it is for another team, a contender, to swoop in. I mean, you see what's going on in Buffalo. Uh, Stephon Diggs up there pouting. He said he want to call the plays and shit. He want to, you know, he he want the ball. Just typical receiver diva shit. But I mean, they 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 can't move on for him. He's got too much money tied up. They got too much money tied up with him. But it's stuff like that. You know, guys guys holding out, guys pouting in camp. Shit happens. Guys get guys get traded. You know, and you got, especially when you got, you don't, they don't have as, as long as a leash when you got a guy like D hop out there. Who are you talking about? Uh, you talking about, uh, D hop or, or Stefan Diggs preferring another team. But especially when you guys, guys got like, when the team's got somebody like D hop out there. Hey man, them guys on a tight leash. Yeah. I don't, I don't think D hop, this is the, I ain't gonna say it's bottom, bottom of the barrel with the Titans and uh, the Patriots, but it ain't it ain't the cream of the crop by any means. It's far from that. So I th- that's what I think he's waiting on more so. Training camp is probably his personal deadline to where he knows that he, he has to be in by this time to feel like and be prepared to have a good season. But if nobody comes to him by training camp, I mean, he he's probably just going to sign. He's going to take the money that's on the table, and I don't blame him. It'd probably be a short, a shorter contract if, in that case, if he's waiting this long to do it, and uh, this long to make a decision. I can't imagine he would sign a deal over two years or even over a year. I can't see him signing a deal over a year unless the the annual the annual cap number is humongous for that second year and is locked in that he would do that with him waiting this long. But I don't know. The man like the man like Nashville now. He liked the CMAs and the milk of magnesia that was down there. So, I mean, he he might come down here. We'll see. It's more hopeful than anything. Let me see. You said two for 20. He got a little more than 20, fam. <laughs> that man doing, he going the premium route, ain't he? D-Hop. Just like when, uh, when AJ and Julio came in town, man, it was ugly out here for us regular folks. Ugly. Wasn't happening. Wasn't happening. We're going to be taking call-ins today. All show, all show, all show. We're taking call-ins. Call-ins to the Sports Section Morning Show. Call-ins to the Sports Section Morning Show. 931-603-1476. Taking calls all all morning. 6 to 8, 6 to 8. Taking calls all morning. Talk about anything. We got a lot on the agenda so far today. We've touched on Chase Burns entering the transfer portal. Touched on D-Hop, possibly making the decision within the next month, maybe sooner, I doubt it. We're going to touch on the Premier League, the transfers going on with that. Going on with that. Nashville SC. Got a caller, got a caller. 
Pardo, Pardo. Yeah, yeah. What's good? What's good? Hey, man. I don't think we did enough when our boy was in Nashville, man. What are you talking about? Us flying them up uh, on Southwest or, or Charter? Which one are you talking about? I, w- I wasn't worried about the flight. I think he could, he could afford his own flight, man. I don't think I don't think we, we put enough dollars on the table, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? He tweeted, he tweeted something else about, hey, I'm going to make anybody's wide receiver room a lot easier. He's still marketing himself a little bit. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. Yeah, we ain't, we ain't, put, a, we ain't put enough dollars on the table, man. It might be over with for our boy. Trail on the Sports Section Morning Show. Trail on the Sports Section Morning Show. Member of the show. What do you think we put on the table for him, man? What are you hoping? What do you What do you think it gets does, gets it done? One, what are you thinking we put on the table? Two years for twenty is literally all we could probably afford, honestly. Oh, that ain't enough. And he 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 was looking for more of a he looking for a seventeen on a one year. I, I don't know, you know, OBJ got the market fucked up right now, just because the just because he likable. Man, he got the game got jacked the up for real up right now. He got it messed but up for real. D-Hop, D hop, I mean, obviously probably a better a better wide receiver, but you know he ain't got the the marketability that OBJ got. You know he a generational social media champion right now. Man, he got some other shit going on too. I don't, and you know he gonna sell them jerseys. Yeah, OBJ is OBJ, man. He can't you can't get that that OBJ contract right now, man. That that's asking for a little too much. We ain't, we ain't got that's, that in the bank. That's anyway. ridiculous. What he got? Let me let me pull up. Baltimore's yeah. our fool, bro. Baltimore is the only team I feel like that was even entertaining that type of that type of money for him. That's why he there. Uh, you know, obviously Baltimore ain't his type of city. But, no, you know, is, you is it any? Jackson. Is it anybody's type of city? Nah, I mean, <laughs> I mean it was damn it sure. awful, but it, it just ain't. Hey, you know, he more of an L.A., Miami, Vegas, <laughs> New York type of guy. He ain't. Baltimore, man. you ain't nobody going to visit Baltimore, man. He ain't, ain't gonna find the, up there. the. I don't know how to say this, but uh, this month ain't as big in Baltimore as it is in L.A. right now, either, is it? No. Mm-mm. That's probably his biggest problem. I mean, he probably ain't up there right now. I He's probably he in L.A. Any or Atlanta? He's probably in L.A. or Miami right now. Or Atlanta. You 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 only out there right now if you are probably like a rookie. Like our rookies, we still had our rookies was in L.A. Jackson the other night. Our right, look a little hurt. Right, right. You ain't coach him up was, or nothing, did you? Nah, nah I'm not. I would. I was gonna pipe down on. Uh, I, I was gonna talk to little Will Levis, but he had his girl with him, and you know I can't be eyeing our boy girl in front of him. No, nah, so we just, need. Let him walk we on. need him focused on him on, on camp bro. mechanics. And the playbook. No, I'm not gonna lie. Michael Jordan walked past like five minutes later, and that was a little bit more of a commotion. He's always in Nashville, ain't he? But he got that. He got that. Uh, he got that. That team, that racing team. That's right. It is big racing weekend. You know, I forgot about that. The Nashville. You no, know, uh, la- last year he was in about about the same time. He, but he was at Layer Cake last time. He was at L.A. Jackson this time. Mm. Damn. My mom will just be just be the paparazzi from now on, man. I, I see how easy their job is in Nashville. Right, and people just walk by in Nashville, and, and nobody really, you know, they, ain't nobody grouping it up in Nashville either. People just letting letting these people just walk by. That's just the that's the vibe good, in Nashville. For business, though, man. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Knew somebody famous was. I thought the president was there because I walked in. It was seven GMC Denali's at uh at L.A. Jackson. I he said, is. Must be. He is the president. <laughs> Biden must be here, man. <laughs> <laughs> or Kamala. 
That man brought I mean, Kamala somebody, out. Somebody big must be here. It's, <laughs> a, it's literally seven GMC trucks. The knowledge. I said, man, somebody big must be here. That man, I'm Jordan. That maybe they just stayed at the hotel. That, Ten minutes later, Michael Jordan walked past and go down the back elevator. I said, golly, man. Man. Well, that's better than what, what we were seeing last year out there. We we had hurt players out there on uh what was it? We this? had hurt players out there on crutches that layer cake and shit, man. They wasn't taking the offseason serious, man. No, no, no. Especially this time of year. They was in crutches and layer cake faded. You know, I, I knew right then. I said, it's gonna be a rough year, boy. It's gonna be a rough year, man. Hey, and speaking on Chase Burns, I think we might have got our boy back, man. No, I don't there was a there was a little a heinous uh fake tweet going around that said we did. Oh that that so that stuff was fake about our uh our, our boosters getting the money. Yeah, that 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 tweet was fake. Ah, oh, that, that yeah. that's not good. The boy's gonna be on the first ticket to LSU next year, man. I forgot about that, and also, you know, I saw a video that said he, you know, he meant he's from he's from Gallatin or Laverne, something around the Nashville area. Yeah, they say he's a Vandy he's fan. Probably Vanderbilt too. Yeah, he's you nah, know he wouldn't do the Vanderbilt route on us, would he? I mean, he grew up a Vanderbilt fan. Supposedly, uh, he would. He would go to. Surely Vanderbilt, not, though. But I don't think Corbin is coming off the cheese in the paper like that. Huh? I don't think Corbin, that you know, their their coach over there in Vanderbilt, is coming off the cheese like that. But they have a nah, relatively I, new I, AD I, out there. I think. I, I think. I think Tennessee. Will, I think Tennessee will get them paid. Hell, I throw five dollars in. They need me to. If they I need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could throw about fifteen dollars in there. Twenty dollars. If they do a GoFundMe or something. I'm surprised one ain't yeah, we'll already popped up. We might need to start uh-huh. that. I'm surprised the GoFundMe ain't popped up yet. We might have to start it. We're going to have to keep 10%, though. You know, I, just, well. <laughs> I don't know even know how we do that. <laughs> but uh, let me see what. For legal fees. Right. Let me see. What you think about. Uh, what do you think about that man, Aaron Judge, man, tearing his tearing a ligament in his toe? You ever tore a ligament in your toe? I think I still got a torn ligament in my toe. Oh my that, god! That don't keep me from being softball champ, man. You gotta. Oh my god! He, you didn't run into a wall. He ran into a wall. I, I didn't play with a. I didn't play with a broke toe before. I don't understand. I don't understand that whole little injury. He's six. He's six seven two fifty. You're not six seven two fifty. A hurt toe might might really hurt at at, at that at that size. And he playing outfield, ain't he? Yeah, he running all the time. Hey man, that shit hurt. Yeah. A hurt toe, it don't sound like that big of an injury, but honestly, it, it do affect you a lot. And if you Aaron Judge and you go out there half half toe, man. And it depends what and, toe it is. And, and, and you look bad. And you look bad for about. Really, if you play with that hurt toe now, you're gonna look bad for six months. This gonna hurt for six months. That's if, if it heals. Heal up, it'll be good in two months. That's if it heals, and he's while he's playing on it. That ain't no guarantee, huh? You know, that's if it heals when it while he's playing through it. I mean, I ain't no toe expert, but uh, you know, if you constantly putting load on it, pause. You know, it's just you don't know if it's gonna heal. Crazy. It ain't like an ankle. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, where you can you ankle, can sort of baby an ankle. Heal quick that ankles don't heal quick either. Now that I'm figuring out, but anything one, that that one really lingers for real. I ain't gonna lie. I remember when I when I broke I broke my toe one summer. I played it through. My toe was hurt for at least a year year and a half before I I started getting it feeling back normal again. Right. 
Yeah, they said there ain't no guarantee he comes back this year off that toe injury. Mm-mm. He said it. Uh, nah, Boone it's, said it. Yankees in trouble. If it's a big toe, if it's the big toe, man, that that's like a big injury. He might be over with if it's the big toe. And man, and you got to think if it's the right toe, that's the toe he's like putting weight on when he's hitting and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, way worse twist, than a left you toe. That, you got to twist your whole foot when you when when you swing. Yes, I and mean that's straight. That's straight big toe right there. That's straight big toe. Pitch. That's right, right on the big toe. And you got a torn ligament in it, man. I, I know this stuff hurts. That hurts. Yeah, he, he might as well just go and get that repaired. Wait, wait, wait it out for two months. Yeah, that's what I think he should do. I think he should wait it out for six and be out for the season. You know, but probably about four months. Break yet? It's about it's around about a month until the All Star break. I think. Yeah, this is the perfect time. He might as well go and get. I don't know if they got like a little typo surgery for your toe, or you can do it with your ankle. But well, like he, like he said, here I'm, I'm about to. I think I, I think I got a quote. Yeah, here's a quote he said. He said, "I'm not giving you any timeline. There's no need. I've just got to get better, and then I'll be out there." I don't think too many people in here have torn a ligament in their toe. It's per judge. If it was a quad, we'd have a better answer. If it's an oblique or hamstring, we have answers and a timeline for that. With how unique this injury is, and it being oh, is his back foot too? I knew it. Which I push off of and run off of. It's a tough spot. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in trouble, boy. Yeah, nah, he might. He, that's a, it. Might I might have to move it to three months, minimum. Man, longer than that. His back toe, and like I said, dude, is six seven two fifty. He's in trouble. Man, turn into Zion. Man, I that, hope he don't turn Zion into that boy. Problem, man, toe hurts. Hopefully he don't turn into Zion on the, on any of that level. But hey, his, <laughs> Zion got more in his toe hurt right now. His pride hurt too. Man, what you what you think yeah, about that situation with uh, Mariah Mills getting banned on uh, on Twitter? Adam Silver hey, hitting that button I, on her I ass. Think, I, I think that is harassment. What she is doing to that to that young man? She is thirty some years old, harassing that man on on Twitter every day. Man, and she got a tattoo too. Then, Did you see the then, tattoo? Then Twitter suspended her. Got got her off got her off of there, mm-hmm. and she she lose a little bit of attention, and she had to find a way to go get some more attention, so she went and got the tattoo. Shit is wild. On her face. On her face. Hey man, people just attention's a dangerous drug, man. You can't give you get a wrong purpose wrong person some attention that they ain't had ever. They ain't gonna ride with it. You can tell she literally she probably don't care at all about Zion. It really ain't that serious. No, for her. But no. That attention she getting is far none. And, you know, I think her views went up, too. I Don't ask me how I know, but, you know, her views went up a little bit, too. I, I, I bet they are. I bet they are. Because mm-hmm. Zion ain't the only sick, sick motherfucker out here, man. We <laughs> People a little sick in the head sometimes, man. People <laughs> like what they like. She got an ant body. Yeah, she got enough attention on her now. But at that point, when you stop getting it, she stopped getting it for two, three days. Had to go get a face tattoo, man. That's, that's it's ridiculous. Dangerous. What else? That's what's she gonna do next? She what's she gonna do next if she don't get the te- get the uh, get the? Uh, she don't get the toilet back, man. The attention. She might, she might pull up to that boy house. Zion, move, oh, my. man. Oh my! Trust me, Zion, man, move right now. Have she ever been to your crib? Move. Get out of there. Are you an expert on this type of situation? You talking like you are? Huh? I said you talking like you're an expert in this type of situation. Hey, man. I just know I just know how people mental mind states can get discombobulated, man. That's, <laughs> I ain't much on it. Matter of fact, I gotta go right now. I gotta I gotta go ahead in here and go through this this TVA gate, man. All right, man. Get your paper.
for the Hopkins and uh and Chase Burns fun. I got you. All right, bro. That's Trail TFTV member, distinguished TFTV member. He got to head to the nine to five. He got to head to the nine to five. Ain't nothing wrong with it. But touching on the Zion stuff, man. You know what she's doing is out of control. I don't. You know, it's not getting the type of reaction that should be warranted to her, too. She, I mean, Zion is, if I'm not mistaken, dude is like 12, 13, 12, 10 years younger than her. I know he a man at the end of the day. He makes his own decisions. But, hey, man, that's that's jacked up. That's jacked up what she's doing. Let me see. All right, let's get into Premier League. Premier League transfers. According to Fabrizio Romano, Manchester City. Money bag, Manchester City. Man, they, they got so much damn paper. That Dubai money. He said, understand Manchester City have now agreed personal terms, which is contractual terms, with Josco Guardiola. Pep Guardiola rates Josco highly. Talks will take place between the clubs, RB Leipzig and Manchester City, of course, for the transfer fee, which should be north of uh, the record fee, which is for Harry Maguire, I think, around $95 million, 92 million euros, something around that. So RB Leipzig's wanting 100 million euros. In my opinion, there's no way Manchester City can get both Gavardiol and Declan Rice. So Arsenal fans, I don't think we have anything to worry about. I think I think this whole hoopla of a supposed bid that was supposed to go to West Ham over Declan Rice was BS. They just want Arsenal to pay the, the most premium price, which is smart business on their end. You know, if they if they signal some interest or throw in a little faux, fake phony bid for what Arsenal have, have offered. You know, Arsenal, of course, they're going to force their hand to offer even more money. And the more money Arsenal spends, the less they can spend on other targets. They don't, Arsenal don't have a, a limitless pit of money like your Chelsea's, your Manchester City's, and hell, even Manchester United. You know, Arsenal's sort of in the realm of, of Liverpool with FSG, with our owners, Kroenke and Stan Kroenke. And you just, there's not an endless pit of money at Arsenal to spend. You got to be really delicate with your targets and the players you target. And you can't just go around spunking $100 million on young center backs and just breaking transfer records like that. I mean, yeah, we're going to break we're gonna break our transfer record, and it's going to be really high for Declan Rice. I mean, they say $100 million pounds should do it. But, hell, it was $120. It was $120 million pounds was the supposed price. Either $100 million pounds or $100 million pounds in a player, and Arsenal have got them down to just a hundred million pounds. So the problem now is the seems is West Ham and the payment structure that they're wanting for Arsenal. I think I touched on this last week, but you don't want to have to pay a hundred million pounds in two installments and in, in two, two, two separate windows, six months apart. That's, that's a, like accountability. Like for accounting, that's a nightmare. You showing. $50 million hit here, $50 million hit here, both in the same accounting year, the same fiscal year, is terrible for finances. Doesn't look good. Especially if you don't have the cash on hand for that. And even if you have the cash on hand for that, you do not want to spend your cash reserves on something like that when you can get get a loan on it, which they normally do with these, with these type of transfers. are always loans. But then again, you don't want to get beat up on interest in that, in that manner. So, as I said, Manchester City, they've got, they've got the 112, 112 uh, you know, financial fair play charges 
pending. So we're going to see. I doubt that they have the the funds and the uh the uh, well, they have the funds. I doubt that they have the ability to sign both Gavardiol at this fee and Declan Rice at 100. I mean, that's 200 million on on two players. Little north of 200 million. I don't think they can do that in one window. You know, I I think they have the they have the ability to do it, but I don't think especially with the with the press around them and those 112 odd financial fair play charges pending against them, I don't think that's a battle they want to fight, to be honest. I don't see it. So that's that's with Manchester City and Gavardio. They're going to talk to RB Leipzig this week, supposedly according to Romano, to see if they can get a deal done. And that should be a fairly straightforward deal unless Chelsea come in. But Gavardio's got his got his heart set on on City and Chelsea. He had his he was close to signing a move with Chelsea in the January transfer this past window. And then also last summer, I think Chelsea was highly, highly involved in talks with him. But I don't think Chelsea's gonna go that route, especially since they've signed Fofana for a record fee, you know, in January. I think it was January. No, that was in this last summer, a year ago, when they signed Fofana. So I don't think I don't think Chelsea's gonna go for him anymore. I think it's cities to cities to get. Real Madrid doesn't need anyone. Bayern's not gonna spend that much money on him. So I think Man City's the only one in the race for that. Now on to Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal. Arsenal, according to Fabrizio Romano, Arsenal getting closer to signing Jurian Timber after a second official bid submitted today. That was this was an hour ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. Understand value of the second proposal is close to 45 million euros to 48 million euros. And like as as we said this past week, Timber and Arsenal have already agreed contract terms between each other. That's rumored to be around 8 million net. So, you know, Timber's going to be on good money and he's going to be in a good project in Arsenal. All the reports are saying that Timber has only wanted Arsenal in this this whole process and window that Arsenal have done a lot of the groundwork to get him signed. As they have with their other targets this uh this summer, Havertz, Rice, not not more so Havertz, but Rice, Timber, and uh, it's been so these dealings this summer with Arsenal have been more so relationship based in the past with agents that they have have dealings with in the past and agents they have a good relationship with, and that's that's helped them in deals, especially in the Declan Rice deal and even this Timber deal, with other teams coming in trying to trying to get the deal done before Arsenal can once Arsenal lays the framework for the for the uh transfer down you know cuz as it happened last last January with Mudrick and Chelsea Arsenal do all the groundwork get all the all the negotiations with Shakhtar in place to get the money to what Shakhtar would want they put the offer in another team just comes in and puts that same offer in you know that's what Chelsea's been doing and to mitigate that, Arsenal have really gotten in with the player, gotten in with the agent, and gotten into their head and convinced them, Arteta included, most mostly Arteta, that Arsenal is the right project for them and that they'll really succeed at Arsenal. All they got to do is point at Modric. Modric would be, I think he'd be 10 times the player if he was at Arsenal. He seems like he wanted to be at Arsenal, but you know there were other circumstances that didn't allow that to happen. But this Timber deal looks like it's going to get done for around 45 million euros, 48 million euros. So I think it'd be a really good deal for Timber, and I think that would allow Arsenal to sort of uh, switch the dynamics that they have with Zinchenko on the left side with him inverting from left back into the midfield. Timber could do a similar role with that at right back. I don't see Timber playing center back as much as he would play right back, but he would provide competition for Ben White, or he would allow Ben White 
to slot into center back when Saliba's out, which would allow us to get rid of Rob Holding, who's been somewhat of a liability in the last year or so. But if we're able to supplement Rob Holding and and have Ben White there instead, that changes that whole dynamic of the back line and solidifies the buildup, which is what Arsenal struggles with when they have players out is their buildup. So Timber makes that rock solid, and he sort of makes Caicedo, in my opinion, with the addition of Timber, Moises Caicedo from Brighton, who's been linked with Arsenal since January, I think that sort of makes him redundant or I don't want to say overkill because you really you can't have enough talent on the team in a squad, especially if you're trying to compete on Champions League, Premier League, uh, FA Cup, and Carabao Cup on four four fronts. You can't have enough talent in the squad. But that Caicedo, that Caicedo deal seems to be put on even more of a back burner at this point and allows Chelsea more of a free run at him than it would be before with the Timber deal because we have a guy that can slot into that right back in an inverted role and flip the dynamics for Zinchenko where we're not as reliant on Zinchenko or also allows Tierney, Kieran Tierney, to you know, get further up the pitch and he doesn't have to get pigeonholed into a role that he doesn't necessarily succeed at. He can become more of a, a touchline winger somewhat. But Timber is very important for for depth, and he elevates the, the starting lineup and elevates the, the role of, of Ben White. Ben White has to produce even more, and he was great last year. But, I mean, he's got he's to get even better. And that's, what, that's the beauty of competition, especially in football slash soccer in Europe with these big teams. You have to have competition continuously refreshing the team or things could just get stale. You know, it's such a demanding season. They're playing 50, 60 games a year. It's demanding. And, you know, guys get burnt out, guys get stale. But continuous competition like that helps a ton. While we're on Arsenal, while we're on Arsenal, let's get this Havertz deal. Havertz supposedly completed his medical over the weekend in Spain. I saw a picture of Arsenal's doctor, uh, Gary O'Driscoll, was in Mallorca on a flight in the airport. Somebody took a picture of him. And of course, Havertz is in Spain right now too, so that would that would sort of coincide. I doubt he's on holiday in the same city that Havertz is in. I'm sure he's getting his medical done. And of course, per all reports, Romano included, well, the that medical is completed. So it looks like O'Driscoll was completing the medical over in Spain this weekend. Havertz and Jorginho posted a picture on Twitter, a little cheeky picture, a little bit, and they were with a, they were with. Who was it? And Kovacic also. The three amigos leaving. Leaving Chelsea. They post a picture smiling and stuff. And Chelsea's fans were in an uproar over that. You got to treat your players better. And you got to be better, Chelsea. Can't be shitty like y'all are. So the Havertz medical is completed. That should be confirmed this week. According to all reports, Havertz will be an Arsenal player this week. So that's a good move for Arsenal. And to me, I'll touch on Havertz a bit. For me... Even at the price of 65, 67 million pounds that's been reported, I still think that can be a bargain with with Havertz. Of course, that's great business by Chelsea, who normally do great business selling their players. They had to have their players sold by July, which is the end of their fiscal year, to be in compliance with financial fair play. And they were able to raise, what, 67 from Havertz, 25 from Kovacic, 20-something from uh, Koulibaly to Saudi. And they sold Ziyech and got Conte off the books. So, you know, Chelsea raised a lot of funds this month already. And they should be able to go at it for another summer. But back to Havertz. 
Uh, I think that has the potential to be a big bargain for Arsenal. And the crazy thing about Havertz is nobody really knows his best position. I'm sure he has in his mind what, what he thinks his best position is. And after talking with Arteta, they're aligned with what his best position is. But he was misutilized at Chelsea extremely. He was used as an out-and-out nine, out-and-out striker, but he didn't have any support behind him. You know, they they were a dreadful team. They've been dreadful offensively for for two going on two years now. So you can't really evaluate a guy of his talent level that's so, I ain't going to say reliant, but his game is so predicated on being a facilitator, you can't you can't really evaluate him in that setup that they had at Chelsea. It's just he was set up for failure, and he still managed to you know I think he scored thirteen goals last year. He's he scored a maybe four four this year, but you know you can't guys like that that are facilitators that are able to link play, sort of like your LeBrons. They they play like LeBron plays basketball. He's already of course they don't have his ability to to score whenever he wants. Don't get me wrong. But just on a pure facilitative role, that's how they play when it comes to football and soccer. So when you have a team around you that is not confident, they're losing and shit, uh, and they're just not, not as talented as you're used to, it's hard to play that role and succeed in that role. And that's what, that's where Havertz has found himself. They had him in that role. It wasn't working because there was nobody around him. So they said, screw it, we'll throw him up top as a striker and see what he could do. And, you know, he did the best he could. But the difference is between Arsenal and Chelsea is Arsenal has a a stable attacking system. There's stability at the club, stability at the club level, the coach level, the player level. There's nothing but stability at the moment with Arsenal. You haven't been able to say that for, you know, the past, shoot, 15 years at the club. Well, there hadn't been much stability until Arteta's taken over and you know implemented his his hand his footprint on the team but Havertz will succeed at Arsenal I'm guaranteeing it honestly I think he'll I'm not sure if he'll play as an 8 or a 9 I think he's me personally I think he'll play as a 9 but I wouldn't be surprised if Arteta puts him as an 8 because you know nobody knows what Arteta has playing what Arteta's cooking you have no clue but Havertz has the ability to succeed in both roles with a 9 he's got that somewhat I've seen this on Twitter too, and I just can't get it out of my head now. But he's got the a sort of bird Dennis Burkampish uh style of play that just fits Arsenal to a T. That's the way Arsenal play. You know, winger ball since the days of the early two thousands. You know, quick passes, short passes, nice flicks, nice touches, you know, beautiful football. Havertz fits that mold to a T, whether he's playing as an eight or as a nine or a ten or a nine and a half slash ten. You know, I think he could do both in both positions in the system that we have currently, and I think they'll succeed with him. You don't pay 67, 68 million pounds on a player that's going to sit the bench. You just don't do it. You know, you you might pay 30 or 40 for a guy that's going to be rotational and be a squad player, but you don't pay 65 or 70 in that respect for a guy that's going to sit the bench. And Arteta had an interview with Marsa over the weekend also, and he he spoke about Havertz a bit. They asked him about Declan Rice deal. He said, sorry, but I can't speak about players who are not at the club. I prefer not to comment. Of course, he's going to say that because that deal is not complete yet. It's all but complete from what I understand, but it's not complete. The Havertz, on the other hand, is complete. He said, Havertz, question mark. 
He's talented, versatile player, and only 24. Talent has price. He has already shown a lot, including a Champions League trophy. So I think he's I think he's happy to have. Of course, he's happy to have Hazards and Havertz. And from what I understand, he was a big part of why Havertz came to Arsenal. Uh, after conversations with Arteta, they probably discussed what his role would be in the team, and uh, they aligned. They aligned. So. Other reports with Arsenal and the Declan Rice deals, not much, but it's been somewhat confirmed by many journalists. TalkSport confirmed it. Declan only wants Arsenal, regardless of what Manchester City, the supposed bid that's going to be going in, that's supposed to have been going in for going on a week now, that hasn't went in yet, which I, you know, I think that's just posturing. But you know, he, it's come out that he still only wants Arsenal, which is good news for Arsenal, and hopefully. A, gr- a fee can be agreed on this week. I think they've said, everybody said that Arsenal is going to be putting in a third bid within the next couple days. So we'll see how that goes. But hopefully a fee is agreed for Declan Rice this week. Romeo Lavia contract terms agreed. At this point, I think that's one that's been put on the back burner. They want to get this Timber and Declan Rice deal done and Havertz deal announced and completed before they move on to other targets. And that's echoed by Romano who said that's, that signing will be more of a second second half of the transfer window signing. So it would either be Lavia or Caicedo in that sort of eight role, the deeper line eight. And I don't see us spending the money on Caicedo once we once we have Timber and Lavia is available at sort of a cut price and he's two years younger. So I think Lavia would, would probably be what we'd uh what would we go for and I'd I think we'd probably get him for around forty five million, forty million. So, very talented player, young player. He's only 19 years old. He's used to being in a a possession-based setup. He came up through the Manchester City Academy and uh, got sent to Southampton, and that's where he's at now. And, of course, with them getting relegated, uh, it's a good possibility that he leaves this summer. Next up, we got Manchester United and the Mason Mount situation. They put in a 55 million pound bid, according to Ornstein. Chelsea didn't reject it, but they offered a counter offer of about ten million pounds more. So they're at a they're at a gap of around ten million pounds at the moment. Mason Mount has made the decision that he's not re-signing his contract with Chelsea. So he's only got a year left on his deal after this year. Or no, after after this summer. He's got a year left on his deal, and then he would be allowed to leave for free. Chelsea do not want that. So I'd imagine this deal gets done. I mean, it's ten million sounds like a lot but it's close in terms of negotiation i think they get that done man united seems like they're remaining firm on their 55 million pounds chelsea's gonna have to come up off that 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 65 million they want they've already get raised the funds for havertz and f- through havertz koulibaly and zh so and and also kovacs of course so they're they've got some negotiating room i think that'll get done for closer to what manchester united want because of course Mount only wants United. He's pushing for for United. So, we'll see how that goes. Chelsea signed another striker. I think it's like the third striker they've signed in 3 years. Uh Nico Jackson for Villarreal. They gave him an 8-year contract, which is crazy. He's a man, he's trapped over there at Chelsea until June 2031 according to Romano. Medical's going to be completed in 2 days. So the say he said the second part will be done today. And they're paying a little over $37 million to Villarreal, even though Jackson had a $35 million release clause. So they do that, pay $2 million over the release clause, just so they can have better better payment terms 
Like, a, instead of paying it with a release clause, like I, like I mentioned last week, you have to pay it all up front. But if they pay a little bit more over, they don't have to net their they're breaking the release clause or satisfying the release clause, but they can just do it on their own payment terms instead of putting it all up front. Cause it's similar to the Declan Rice deal as we mentioned earlier. You don't want to have a $35 million hit on one player on showing up on your accounting and finances. It doesn't look good. So going to Koulibaly, we've touched on him. He's joining all Hilal on a $23 million or million Euro fee to chill from Chelsea. So, Three-year deal for him. He's going to get paid out there in uh in Saudi Arabia. And he's playing with Ruben Neves, who's been linked to Newcastle on a loan. That's some shady, shady shit they got going on there. But uh, I might watch that Saudi league. I'm going to find out how to watch it. But they're going to have some players out there. If Messi would have won, it, I definitely would have probably been watching it, to be honest. Definitely would have. What else do we have on transfer news? That should be it on transfer news. And just touching back on the uh, the interview with Arteta or the the interview with Marsa that Arteta had over the weekend or last week, he talked about. Of course, I've already said how he talked about uh, Declan Rice's lack of comment on Rice and what he said about Havertz. But they also asked him about the links that he had last week and the week before last to PSG for their managerial position. Who I think should be, I think they're hiring Luis Enrique, former Barcelona man to uh, manage out there, but Arteta was linked before and apparently they had a meeting, but he turned him down. So he was asked about that. And he said, I can only say that I'm very happy at Arsenal. I feel loved, valued by our owners, Stan and Josh Kroenke. And I have a lot to do here at this club. I'm happy and tremendously grateful to be at Arsenal, which is good to hear because, uh, you know, as a former player of Arsenal, there's some loyalty there and they took a chance on him when he hasn't, hadn't had any managerial experience. So I'm sure Arteta seems like a very principled man, and I'm sure he takes that into account when he's getting these obscene offers from clubs like PSG or or whoever it may be. Barcelona, if Xavi were to leave, I doubt he'd go to Real Madrid, but it's possible with him being in La Masia, growing up in La Masia. But, you know, that's good to hear because I, I can't lie. I was a little worried when I heard the, the PSG links because there's no telling how much money they offered him to be their manager. No telling. And he's one of the, the best up-and-coming managers coming in the world, in Europe at the moment. And he's and he's succeeding. He's young. He's only been managing for like four years. So he's got a lot of growing to do, and he's already succeeding and, and managing at a very high level. So he sort of shut that down, and I don't think he'll end up at a club like PSG. He didn't close the door on a, a return to Spain either, though. You know, he's Spanish. He's from the uh, – I think he's from the Basque area out in Spain. So, you know, we'll we'll see in a couple years. I think Arteta, at the very minimum, he's got two more years at Arsenal. Hopefully it's it's 20 more. But, you know, that's not realistic. But hopefully we can win in the next two we have with him, and hopefully he stays for even longer, especially with this young core that we have with Saka, Martinelli, uh, what will be Declan Rice, hopefully, Havertz. You know, we have a, a really Saliba, Ramsdale. We have a really young core, and hopefully he's able to at least see that core players through that would be nice all right all right we're back sports section morning show this morning the sports section the sports sports section morning show let's get into nashville sc nashville sc disappointing loss against columbus crew over the weekend Uh, goals by christian ramirez and an own goal by jack mayer at the end uh so they they started off with a with a silly shape you know they've been had a lot of success over the last couple Last couple weeks, 
Had a good little win streak, unbeaten streak there for you know about a month or so when they transitioned to the 4-4-2 diamond setup. Or 4-1-2-1-2, however you want to uh however you want to put it. But they were in the diamond and they were playing well, but as of now for like I like I said last week, they're going to have to rotate a little bit, especially seeing how the players are so dog tired after after the game and during the game against uh I want to say DC United midweek. So they go up to Columbus, another away game, tough away game, tough atmosphere, a good team in Columbus, and they completely changed their shape to some some called it a back three. It looked more like a back five to me. It was a back three when they were in possession, a back five when they were out of possession. And uh, they had trouble with it. You know, they they were getting peppered by, by uh, Columbus in the first 15, 20 minutes. Columbus scored early. They had a... a and it was a goal off a. It was a silly. I ain't gonna say it was a silly goal to concede, but it was. It was easily. It could have been mitigated. Well, a long throw from a keeper. Just he just hoofed it up to the halfway line. Lost a duel. Our defender lost the duel there. Striker gets it. Runs down to the box. You know they have to play a little reverse ball, and he scores. So, you know that was the first goal. And after that, Nashville got back into the game. And we're playing pretty well, but they just didn't have the – they weren't clinical enough in their finishes, and they couldn't really sustain any pressure in the final third. Anytime they lose a ball, it was just really transition-based, which, I mean, really catered to the game that Columbus was trying to play since they won. They were just sitting back a little bit, letting Nashville have some of the ball. Nashville, of course, couldn't be clinical enough, couldn't get into the final third, couldn't create good chances. And, you know, that that's what happens. You, you just lose and, and – you end up giving up a late goal too. Jack Merrill with the own goal. So this was they were missing Nashville was missing three starters, including their starting right back who was really important to that diamond system, Shaq Moore. He came on for about I think twenty five minutes. It was really too late. The game the game was gone. The momentum of the game was gone. And at least with Nashville they didn't miss as many clear cut chances that they missed with the D C game. That was that was hard to watch. But they, they sort of just got outplayed against Columbus crew. And I don't know if that was, it was a combination of things probably from fatigue, uh, you know, getting used to a new setup. It just, it just didn't work out and you can't really, it's hard to change things on the fly like that. I'm sure they've, you know, once the team gets used to playing a certain way as they have in the diamond, especially when they're having really, really, really good success, it's hard. And uh, it didn't work out. Obviously you could tell in the first, first 15 minutes, they struggled very bad. I think, not to single out any players, I think McNaughton was terrible. Mayer wasn't that good. Zimmerman, I mean, Zimmerman did the best he could, but, I mean, he had two guys flanking him that were dog water. They were bad. You know, of course, Mayer had the own goal. That wasn't necessarily his fault, but he was just wrong place, wrong time. But everything else leading up to it, I mean, it was just, they couldn't sustain any pressure. They couldn't sustain any possession. I mean, they only had seven seven shots, and only four of those were on target, Nashville did, compared to Columbus's 16 shots and five on target. So Columbus was getting much more opportunities. And, uh, you know, Nashville was just on the back foot for the first half, the most, the beginning of the first half. And they sort of tried to take the game to Columbus, you know, in the midway part of it. But it was so, too little, too late. Columbus had already settled in, set into their block, and they, they, were, they, weren't, they weren't conceding a goal. You just couldn't see it. Especially with how Mukhtar himself, he was having to drift and with that, when he was in, with them in the five three two, and Mukhtar was playing, he was up top a little bit, and he was on the on the wing, and 
he wasn't in a position where he could really succeed. I mean, sometimes he was even dropping back to the back line to receive the ball just because he wasn't getting any touches. We couldn't get the ball to him. So when he's dropping back in that deep, that's where Columbus wants him to be. He can't be dangerous, as dangerous as he would be if he was receiving in the final third or receiving in between the lines. They, that's where they want. They want to funnel him back to that back line, get him as, getting dropping back as deep as possible. They're not. They don't have a man following him once he gets that to that point. Once he crosses into the midfield, they're probably just like, hey, we'll let him go." But you know, if they had, if they were man marking across the board and they had a man following Mukhtar, then that'd be different. But they were just giving it up because Nashville didn't really have any threats outside of Mukhtar all game. You know, I mean, Leal, Leal was somewhat of a threat. He played decent. Uh, Anunga played decent, but of course they're not, they're not going to beat you. You know, and that's what, that's what Columbus dared Nashville to do. And they, and they couldn't come through, but I mean, it's, it's just not, it was a bad, I'm not going to say that, uh, Nashville's manager got it wrong, got the tactic wrong. Cause there's only so much you can do when you're rotating the squad that much. He's missing three starters. So you're not really expected to win at a venue, a tough venue like Columbus away. You know, it's, it's just not happening. So unless you have your firing on all cylinders, you got your guys going, and we just didn't have that. So who does Nashville have up next? I mean, so we should be headed back home here soon. So on the first, they face D.C. again at home. So that should be, you know, a, a good opportunity to get back on track. And then they go back away to Chicago and back home to Philly. So July 1st, 730. So they got about five more days to rest. No midweek game this week. So hopefully they'll be able to get some of their starters back. I'd assume Shaq Moore will be able to start at that point on, should be, I think that's a Saturday. So hopefully we'll be able to get a better result against, even against a good DC United team who they had, uh, a good DC, no, they didn't play DC. Uh, they played Montreal. Montreal was the, the, uh, the game I was talking, the midweek game I was talking about earlier. Just, they had tied with, uh, DC at DC earlier in the season, 1 1. So, Hopefully we can get some get back in this game on July 1st at Geotis. So we will see how that goes. Hopefully Nashville has a, a healthier squad and are able to put their starters out there and go back to that diamond that's really been working for them so much. Moving on, moving on. We talk about the U.S. men's national team. They drew to Jamaica 1-1. They sort of dominated the game from what I saw. You know, I watched some of it. They had 13 shots to Jamaica six, four shots on target to Jamaica's three, but they also were able to have 68% possession of the ball. They ran out of really young squad out there too, so I'm really satisfied with what they what they did in that game because Jamaica's got some talent, and they've got some attackers that can really beat you in uh, Mikel Antonio, Leon Bailey, Damari Gray, who just converted, not converted, but just uh, declared citizenship through Jamaica instead of England. So they've got some attackers for that Jamaica squad. But the U.S. men's national team was able to somewhat neutralize them and only hold them to one goal and control the game with 68% possession. But the team, like I said, the team that they started was very young. No Balligan, no Pulisic, no McKinney, no Weah. You know, the only solidified, bona fide starter I'd say on that team that I saw was was Matt Turner, and he made a very clutch penalty save to keep it at a draw. An Arsenal man, of course. But uh, they drew to Jamaica 1-1. So that was in the the Gold Cup, if I'm not mistaken. So th- they got to get rid of these. And this is another thing I'm going to get on. They got to get rid of these these pointless, not pointless, but all these international fixtures after the season's over. I mean, what's the point? Seriously. let I mean, 
they'll do this, and then after the offseason, right when the season starts, they'll have some more in October. And I think September they might have some. I don't know about September. But they'll definitely have some in October. You know, it's just these international fixtures, they're, they're too much. These players don't ever get a rest. And we wonder why these, you know, a lot of the best players in the world are coming up injured and careers are being shortened. They're playing too many games. Playing way too many games. We're going to see. Taking callers. Any thoughts on Nashville SC? U.S. men's national team? 931-603-1476. 931-603-1476. I finally got the damn number right. Finally. So, also touching on Matt Turner. Pause. They say that uh, there's rumors that Arsenal are trying to offload some of their goalkeepers, but Turner is not one that I would be ready to offload. Hopefully, they're talking about more so their youth their youth goalkeepers and the ones in their youth setup like Okonkwo or uh, Carl Jacob Hine. Hopefully, that's who they're they're talking about in that sense. But if if Matt Turner were to go, I think he could get on a very decent club, especially in England. It's teams like a maybe a Bournemouth. Oh, they got Neto, I think. But any of these mid table teams that could use use a goalkeeper, Everton, if they get rid of uh, Pickford, if he goes to United, uh, any of these teams could use a a keeper like like Turner. He's a solid shot stopper. He may not be the best with the ball at his feet. But he's getting better at it already, and he's 28. Well, he just turned 29 two days ago whenever they played Jamaica. I think he turned 29. It was his birthday. Happy belated, Matt Turner. But, you know, that's he's in the peak of his career for a goalkeeper, and he's still improving with the ball at his feet, which is saying something. If you're that age and still able to improve, you know, he could he could become an even better keeper. So hopefully he's not the one that, one that they were mentioning that could be could be sold by Arsenal, but I bet you they could make a good profit on him from what they bought him from uh, when they brought him in from the MLS. So that's that's that on the U.S. men's national team. Let me see when their next next match is. Hopefully that was their last one. I just went on a tangent about them playing too many damn games. Hell no, they've got two more games left. They play St. Kitts and Nevis. The CONCACAF Gold Cup group stage, and they play Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad and Tobago on July 2nd. So two more games for the U.S. men's national team. Then they play Germany in October. That should be pretty good. All right, all right. MLB roundup. So the Braves, we'll talk about the Braves taking two or three from the Red Hot Reds. Ellie De La Cruz hit for a cycle over the weekend. I'm not sure if that was against the Braves or not, but he hit for a cycle. It was an electric cycle, man. That guy's special. And he's, according to ESPN, he's the youngest to hit for the cycle since 1972. That guy, man. So I'm here. We're going to talk about talk about the shortstop position. So we, we went through a little a little lull in the dynamics of the shortstop position in the last 10 years, 15 years, where we sort of went to more diminutive shortstops that are more diminutive in size and not hitting for as much power. I mean, think of your... I mean, Dansby's not small, but sort of smaller in frame compared to the early 2000s when you had your Nomars, your Jeters, your A-Rods, the big shortstops. Hopefully that comes back into the MLB because that's that's what makes baseball exciting. You got a guy like Ellie De La Cruz that's, I mean, I think he's like 6'4", 6'5". He's tall, tall as hell. And he's somewhat built for, for being that height. That makes the game fun. 
You know, people talk about baseball, baseball not being fun. When you got a tall shortstop like that that's doing everything, hitting for power, playing great defense, has a cannon of an arm, that's what brings people to the ballpark. I mean, that Reds' great American ballpark looks completely different now in the past couple months than it has in the past couple years. It looks electric in there. I mean, they're giving, they've are given they given the fans something to be happy about. They've given the fans something to cheer for and something to have hope for. And the Reds, I mean, they're... Hell, they're at the top of the NL Central, 41-37. Shoot, eight and a half games ahead of St. Louis, who's been struggling, and a half game ahead of Milwaukee. So they've been, I mean, hell, they've been hotter than fish grease up until they ran into Atlanta over this weekend, who Atlanta took two or three from them. But before that, I think they had won eight in a row or something like that. They've been hot. So, you know, that's what, when you have that type of energy that's being transmitted Transmitted from the fans onto onto the field and into the team, that makes the team even better, man. And organization, you know, the Reds, they've got a buzz about them now. You know, they didn't, they haven't had that in a long, long time. You know, I'm not gonna say since the days of Griffey, but I mean, it's been a long time since Reds fans have had something to be excited about. So kudos to the Reds fans. I'm happy for him. Happy or for them that they actually have something to cheer about now, unlike the, the Red Sox. I mean, it's, it's tough on us, boy. It's tough. But, uh, yeah, we'll talk about the Braves, too, man. The Braves been red hot. Red hot. Took two or three from a, from one of the hottest teams in baseball in the Reds. Uh, Acuna, 35 stolen bases this year. That's insane. Acuna has, so we'll run through his, his average. This is all according to uh, StatMuse. 328 on the year so far hitting, 16 home runs, 47 RBIs, 35 stolen bases with a 963 OPS. Acuna is going crazy. This is all before the All-Star break. This guy's on pace for like 80 stolen bases, it looks like. Insane. And he's got 16 home runs, so he he's already he's on pace for 30-30 at the very minimum. If he gets 40-40, it'd be hard not to have him in that MVP discussion. I mean, it has to be said because 40 40 guys don't happen often. I think the last one that for it to happen was Kenseiko. Who some I think he was uh Cunha was close a year or so ago. One of the guys was close to 40 40, came up a home run or two short. But 40 40 has not happened since Kenseiko. Yeah, Kenseiko's 40 40, Bonds is 40 40. There was somebody else who was 40 40. I'm missing maybe. I don't think Ricky Henderson ever got 40 40. But Kenseiko, Bonds, those mold of players. And Acuna is on pace for that if he can get start hitting some more home runs. But he's hitting 328. So th- I'd say 30-30 hitting over 320 is, you know, really good compared to, you know, 300 40-40. I don't know. I think I'd hit I think I'd take 320 with 30-30, but it's 30-30 ain't really 30-30. Some guns going to have 70 stolen bases. It's going to be it's going to be 320-30-70. Just insane numbers. And uh, you know, of course, he's not going to break the stolen base record of the of the regular season. Ricky Henderson has that; with, he had over a hundred or something crazy like that. But this also goes to show you that these—I I don't know if it's the pitch clock. I mean, Acuna's stole base as well in the past, but this pitch clock has to help a little bit. You would think has to that that uh, makes you think start a conversation about these stolen base records of how how they'll. If you have a guy that comes out here and is stealing bases every, you know, every chance he gets and gets up there to the record that Henderson holds, 
there's got to be a conversation that has to be had about the the pitch clock and its role in that. So, I mean, it gives these guys, the runners, more of an advantage. But in that same sense, the guys got to get on base. I would say it's harder to get on base now than it was back then. These pitchers are so much so much better. They're throwing harder. I mean, it's spin rates are at a all-time high. It's harder to hit now. But it's easier to steal bases. So that's a conversation would be that needs to be had. Y'all let me know in the comments what y'all think about that. If we get to a point, because this pitch clock is seems like it's going to be here to stay. It's, real, it's been really good for baseball and it's had a, good, a lot of good reviews from everybody. What if we get to the point where these stolen base records are being threatened is there what's the conversation that's going to be had about the pitch clock? Is it do you think it's fair? Do you think there'll be an asterisk next to these stolen base numbers? Even the 40-40. Do you think there's an asterisk next to uh, a hitter hitting 40-40 nowadays compared to what would have been in the past with no pitch clock? But like I said, it's a two-sided coin. I, in my opinion, it was harder it's harder to hit now than it was before, but it's easier to steal bases now than it is too. So y'all let me know in the comments in the chat what y'all think about that. But man, Acuna's Acuna's having a really, really good season leading the Braves, and they're of course they're at the top of the NL East. Looks like they'll be there to stay. I think they were like fifty-one and and twenty-three or something crazy like that. They've been red hot, red hot. Aaron Judge. Let's talk about Aaron Judge. Torn ligament in his right big toe. Of course, this is according to Tyler Greenhalgh of uh, Yahoo Sports, and he's hopeful to return. Him and the Yankees are hopeful to return in twenty twenty-three. But as a man. Like we were talking about with Trail earlier, that's a big injury, especially on the on his big right toe, which I'm assuming it's his big right toe. But he says it's the one that he twists and turns on, so it's got to be his big right toe, I'd imagine. But man, for a guy of his size, pause. I mean, he's six seven, two forty. He's he's big. He's a big guy, and that toe holds a lot of holds a lot of weight, especially when he's swinging, when he's running, he's pushing off of it. Everything he's right dominant, right hand dominant, right foot dominant. Everything he does, he's pushing off that side, pushing off his side. So you can see how that would hinder him in everything he does, whether he's throwing, whether he's uh, swinging a bat, anything, chasing after a fly ball, or simply simply making a crow hop to throw into like home plate or make a long throw to third from right field. It's tough. So, you know, the Yankees are struggling without him too. They're 13-16 and 16 without him, according to StatMuse. They're averaging only 3.2 runs per game, and they're hitting an abysmal 207 as a team. So his presence is obviously felt by the Yankees, and his lack of his his absence is felt. So the Yankees could be in trouble. I'm not going to lie. With the absence of Judge, I mean, Stanton is a a wild card if he'll stay healthy. And, I mean, that's a big bat that's absent from their lineup that they're missing that will drive in some runs or hit some home runs. You know, they're – They've become reliant on the long ball, as you know the Yankees normally are. It's they play in a fucking little league field, but you know they they're gonna miss him, and they are missing him now. Obviously, hitting two oh seven as a team, and uh, that's just it's just tough for the Yankees. I think Baltimore is playing really well in that division. The Red Sox are playing like shit. The Rays are extremely hot. They took a. They've taken two or three from Kansas City over the weekend. They blew them out the water on Friday. But the Yankees are fighting for a wild card spot. And I don't think that I'm not too confident that they'll get it, to be honest. With the it just all depends on when Judge is able to come back and his ability and you know, able ability to hit once he comes back with putting load on that toe 
And that's if they, they put him in the DH role. If they put him in the DH role, then Stanton might have to play the field, which they don't necessarily want. But, I mean, you've got to get Judge's, judges back, back in the lineup as soon as possible. You have to. But that's all dependent on when he, when he's not feeling any pain and such. So we'll see how the Yankees go with that. And once again, he's been injured since June 4th when he ran into the wall against the Dodgers, tore ligament in his toe again. So it's going to be tough. And he's still feeling pain, as he said. I'll, re- I'll reread the quote that, that we read earlier for those that are just joining. I'm not giving you any timeline. There's no need. I've just got to get better, then I'll be out there. I don't think too many people in here have torn a ligament in their toe. If it was a quad, we'd have a better answer. If it was an oblique or a hamstring, we'd have an answer and a timeline for that. With how unique this injury is and it being my back foot, that's the big thing, which I push off of and run off of, it's a tough spot. It's about one of the, the most tricky injuries a baseball player can have is that something being wrong with their back foot that they use so much when they're swinging, when they're throwing, when they're when they're doing anything. I mean, you he probably feels that in everyday movement with a torn ligament in his toe has to. So that's Aaron Judge. Let's talk about the PGA, the Travelers Championship. King and Bradley, hometown kid from New England area, wins the TPC River Highlands Travelers Championship. He came in at 23 under, beating Blair, Harmon, and Patrick Cantlay. Those were at 20 under and 19 under, respectively. Ches Reevy was also at 19 under, respectively. He played a good he played a, a good weekend of golf, and he sort of tapered off towards Sunday, had three or four bogeys on Sunday, but the tournament was pretty well in hand. By him, it was good to see Keegan Bradley win. I think he's from a went to Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Man, that's that's what I'm about to get to. How they Austin says, well, how are they shooting 23 under? So, you know, that'll lead me into this quote by Rory. So, Rory McElroy, of course, he's been in the media quite a bit because of the live stuff, and also uh, just talking about the state of the game because he's he's somewhat taken over the responsibility as ambassador of the game somewhat. He's not the guy that I would choose to be that. But then again, I can't say the same about Justin Thomas, who, you know, was bitching at uh, the guy that won the U.S. Open, talking about uh, you won one, one U.S. Open and you want me to mark the ball from 100 yards out? Crazy. So, but Rory said this on TBC River Highlands. This is according to Nuclear Golf. After uh, he shot rounds of 68, 64, 66, and 64, which are insane to do that over a weekend. He finished tied for seventh at the Travelers. He said, I don't particularly like when a tournament is like this. Unfortunately, unfortunately, technology has passed this course by, right? It has sort of made it obsolete, especially as soft as it's been with a little bit of rain. They had some rain in the area, so they made the course and greens a lot softer, easier to play. So, again, like the conversation going back to, you know, limiting the golf ball and stuff like that. When we come to courses like this, they just don't present the challenge that they used to. Rory's been very outspoken in the last couple months, and but he has a, I mean, he has a very valid point about this course. The course is short; it's one of the shortest on tour. It's only six to eight hundred yards, so these guys are just bombing it, bombing it down the course, and got wedges into damn near every green. So, it don't matter how how undulating you have the greens and how small the greens can be. If these guys are shooting from 100 to 120 yards out every hole with wedges in their hand, they're gonna hit their target. They're, I mean, they're they're flag. They're flag-seeking every hole. I mean, you got guys coming in at 23-under. That's insane. For me, that's not fun to watch. I want to see guys struggle. I want to see guys coming in with weekend scores of 3-under, 2-under, maybe even winning the tournament. That's what I want to see. I want to see these guys struggling, challenging themselves. That's not a challenge out there. I mean, you had Ricky Fowler, who's been playing extremely well, shooting a 60, and 
that he that was a I think that was a course record, a sixty. And then Shoffley comes in an hour later and does the same thing. That come on now. That ain't cool. You don't want to for me, that's not entertaining to see as a viewer. It's not. I mean, Rory's got a very good point on this with the travelers. Y'all let me know what y'all think in the comments about the travelers and how easy the course is being at only sixty eight hundred yards and how these guys are just shooting 60, 64, all having mid mid sixties and not winning the tournament still. Like Rory shot Rory shot 64, 68, 66, and 64, and wasn't even in the top five. Is that what y'all want to see? Y'all let me know in the chat in the comments which y'all if y'all prefer to see that or something more difficult like uh you know, I can't even say the Masters because some guys are coming in 12, 14 under with the Masters. But uh, the U.S. Open, I think they came in at 8 under. So, I mean, that's that's more realistic to me. Yeah, I agree, Austin. That's insane. What do you think about the Nashville SC performance this weekend? But, you know, I, I don't like to see that type of stuff. I mean, it's entertaining to watch every now and then. I, I think they there's a place for it in this PGA Tour schedule, maybe once or twice a year that they have this type of type of tournament where these guys just go out here and shoot low, but I don't want to see this crap every every month. You know, that, that ain't fun to watch. It might be fun on a neutral, maybe, but, and then again, that's who the PGA is targeting with, with, uh, with all the things that they've done lately with the full swing dock and such. They're targeting the neutrals, and maybe that's what the neutrals, neutrals want to see. That, they have the data to, to, uh, to be able to tell that. So, we will see. Once again, y'all y'all call in. We're, we've talked about uh, the Travelers Championship, the PGA, how easy the course is. Judge has a torn ligament in his toe. He doesn't know if he'll be back this season. Tough for the Yankees. Acuna being red hot with the Braves, 35 stolen bases. U.S. Men's National Team draws to a talented Jamaica team who had uh, Mikel, Ant, Mikel Antonio, Leon Bailey, and uh, Damari Gray. They were able to draw with them 1-1. Matt Turner with a clutch penalty save. Nashville SC loses to Columbus Crew 2-0 with an own goal by Mayer and a goal by Christian Ramirez. And we talked about all the Premier League transfer rumors. Of course, we touched on Zion and, and that little situation. Also, Chase Burns entering the transfer portal. Portal, Not good news for Tennessee fans. Austin says, lack of depth is killing us. International break is exposing that, exposing that we desperately need a striker. I mean, who do, who do you think the uh, Nashville should go after for the striker role? I mean... It's tough to get anybody from Europe to come to the United States, especially, I mean, Nashville's a great city, don't get me wrong, but it's not necessarily a worldwide city that, that some of these soccer players on the international level are even a company to. Who do, who, who do y'all want to see Nashville target with the transfer market and to get a striker in? Firmino, well, yeah, I would say Firmino, that wouldn't be too bad, but he's headed to Saudi. He's got a, I think... They just tabled a, a really lucrative offer for him. So he ain't coming to Nashville over Saudi Arabia. He's he's going to get be a damn emir out there. The best thing he could come out here to be is a, a damn a country superstar. I'd rather be an emir out in Saudi Arabia with all that paper that he's going to get. You know. But y'all call in. Y'all let me know what y'all think about, about those topics. 931-603-1476. 931-603-1476. Got about 30 minutes left, a little less than 30 minutes left. Let me know what y'all are thinking, man. But yeah, Austin, you uh you think I mean give me a realistic striking target that you think that that they're capable of getting. I mean, I don't 
I don't necessarily see anybody that would want to from Europe that would want to come to Nashville, especially as a striker. But then again, the Messi effect being an inter Miami, that could possibly lead to more guys coming. But at the moment, striker wise, I don't necessarily see anybody that would be on the market of headed to the MLS. Let me see if there's any links with any, anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was it the athletic that came out with that, with that article. Or I think it was BSM that came out with that. We'll look at this article from BSM about uh, potential striking targets. So we'll look at, they've got a guy, Dennis Buanga from St. Anthony. All these guys, keep in mind, Nashville has a pretty a pretty tight budget, I would say. They're not going to go and spunk out $20 million on a striker. It's not happening. You know, so I'd say they're in the, I'd say they're in the uh, probably $5 million range. <laughs> Pookie, is he still at Norwich? I don't know if I'd want Pookie, but Pookie's, Pookie's clinical. Former striker in Norwich City. He was in the Premier League last year, and he was he led the line for Norwich. They got relegated, but you know I can't I can't see. Uh, oh, these are already the the former signings. I can't see Pookie coming to Nashville. That that would be so crazy if he came to Nashville. But I think he would fit. Don't get me wrong. So one of the targets is Juan Denimo, Juan Deneno from uh, Pumas in Mexico. And uh, I think they've got him at $4.8 million. That wouldn't be too bad of a signing, I'd say. You know, he scored twice in the final against uh, Seattle in recent years. That wouldn't be too bad. Inter Valencia from Fenerbahce in Turkey. That would be pretty decent. He's from Ecuador. He scored in the World Cup, scored twice in the World Cup, according to, uh, to BSM. I think that would be a good signing for, for Nashville. Let's see. He's, he's sort of a bigger frame. He's 5'10". So that would be pretty decent. Somebody that could hold the ball up and play off uh, that Mukhtar could could play off of. That's the sort of profile that I think Nashville should be looking at is sort of a bigger striker and let Mukhtar work off of him. Sort of a bigger striker that you could, you know, hoof the ball up to that can hold it up, hold the ball up well and be able to to give them give them something in the air when they're in the final third. And you've got guys like Shaq Moore down there just blazing crosses in. I think that's what Nashville, the profile of striker that Nashville should really be going for is somebody of that nature. So, you know, who else do they have? All these guys are, are of bigger targets. Let me see if there's somebody that I really recognize. I like the Valencia move. Rahul Jimenez is a free agent. He's he's left uh he's left Wolves this year, but I'm not sure who who he's been linked to, and he's he's a bigger striker that molds six two. I think he'd do really well in the MLS. The only thing is he's thirty two years old, so he's he's aged, but he's aged. And since his head injury that he sustained against Arsenal when he's playing for for Wolves, he really hasn't been the same. Unfortunately, he had a really bad head injury that he was out for months, if not a year, about two years ago. And uh, I just don't. I just don't think he would be the right fit for Nashville. He would be the right fit stylistically for Nashville, but I think he's too old. 32. He's really coming off a bad year at Wolves. He's, I mean, he was part of the reason why they almost got freaking relegated. He couldn't score. He couldn't hit the bar side of a barn. But I think he would be able to do well in the MLS, but you would only be able to get like one or two years out of him. It ain't going to be much. Adam Buxa, where's he play at? I haven't heard of him. Adam Buxa. See a bigger profile striker? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here it is. Here it is. From Lens. Yeah, he's in France. 6'4. He used to play in uh for the Revs. 
could leave RC either alone or a striker for 83 minutes. He hadn't played shit while he's been at Lens. So here we go. Chris Ivey says, Twelman sure seems to know something on the Adam Books up front, talking about Taylor Twelman, who's talking about he could either head back to the MLS or be leaving Lens on loan or permanent transfer. But Ivy says uh, he wouldn't be shocked that, well, Twelman tweeted in April that he wouldn't be shocked if Buxa went back to the MLS. New England doesn't have an open uh, designated player spot. If Buxa returns, Nashville makes a lot of sense. So, once again, that's the profile striker that uh, Nashville is sort of looking. Number is 931-603-1476. Call in. Talk Nashville, let's see. But, so 6'4", 26 years old, hasn't really had the best of season at at Lens, but let's see if we can find some more information on him. I think he'd be great for Nashville just off the, the profile-wise. Polish international. So transfer market values him at around 7 million euros, which I think that should be around $8 million, if I'm not mistaken. Let me see how good my my uh, currency converter skills are. Yeah, I think it's about $8.5 million. So in eight appearances at Lens and in, in Liga, he didn't score any. He didn't really do much. He didn't start any of the games. So he, he came off... Came off the bench for most of those games. 931-603-1476. 931-603-1476 is the number. But, so he didn't start any games for Lens, came off the bench, and only played 3% of the available minutes. So, fresh legs. He ain't played much. And he's 26. So, like I said, 6'4". Transfer market's got his value at $7 million. Here we go. We got a caller. I'm assuming we got Austin coming in. Give me one second. Um, uh, Bonza. Uh, he plays for Braga in Portugal. That's another option I was looking at. Who now? Um, Repeat that. 20, uh, Simon uh, Bonza. Mm-hmm. He's a striker from Portugal. Yeah. Um, He's 26. He's a little bit younger. Um, he is going to cost a little bit more because his value has uh, increased significantly. Right. Um, he's only a probably player that you would probably get for maybe one or two seasons because, um, you know, Europe will come calling again. So, you know what I mean? That's a good opportunity for Nashville really to make some cash, though. Yeah, 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 exactly. You can, you know what I'm saying? He comes in here, he has a good uh, couple of seasons, and, you know, you sell him, you make some money. What's his name again? Uh uh, Simon Bonza. Bonza. Where's he play at? Yeah. Uh, Braga. Braga. And, and Portugal. Oh yeah. yeah yeah yeah. Simon Bonza. Yeah he's he's pretty good. Um. I mean, What's his profile? How tall is he? Shit. He's French. I see. Six two. Uh. Yeah he's yeah he's six two. Yeah um, yeah. He's a big body guy. He's got um great feet. Um. He's he's like um he's a bigger version of Hanny. Like, he's really a, a playmaker. Like he's 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 that dude. He's for real. I he watched is. him a couple times actually. Oh my! Um, he had a really good season in Portugal. Eleven goals, yeah. three assists. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah. I think uh, Nash would be able to to command a talent like that. French international. Yeah. He's young. I mean, 
Yeah, uh, eh. I he's, mean, if you think about it, if he's doing that in Portugal, he can definitely come here and do that with ease. Oh, he'd tear it um, up in MLS. Portugal, that's yeah, a good league it, in Portugal. It, exactly. So that's not – it's only going to increase. And the notion that this is a retirement league, I know MLS is definitely not on the tier of um, these top leagues in Europe and things like that. But right. uh, you got players now that have come in, you know, young talent that have been sold to European uh, clubs for 30, 40, 50 million. You know right. what I mean? So he can de- – there's definitely a market for him if he comes here and he uh, he plays well and performs well. He can, you know, make a club some money for real. I agree. I think guys, you know, guys like Almiron have really put the MLS on a good uh, a good level to show Europe, like, right. hey, we got some players over here that uh, that can translate to the European game. What do you think about that? Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the league as a whole has progressed. Um, I feel like uh, we're still years, and it may not ever get to. I don't think uh, U.S. soccer will ever get big enough to have a relegation system where no. we have, um, That'd be nice. you know, tiers of loot. Yeah, I, we just don't have the infrastructure, money, and, and things like that to, to support that. Um, I think uh, the talent, though, the talent pool that we're working with uh, is going to increase significantly. I've right. seen, you know, the MLS is actually putting money. Uh, they do have a program called MLS Next. Um, I'm sure you probably heard of it. You know, they have youth academies for these uh, for these MLS programs where they're, so they're that's training, man. you know, kids from 12 or 8, 9, 10, you know, and all the way up. Right. And that's what we needed. That's like, that, that, that's how you that's how you breed talent. <laughs> that should have that's been done. Why is that just now happening with MLS? That can't just right. be happening, is it? Yeah, no, it's... It, it, it's just now happening over the last couple of years. And you see, and you see, um, we didn't have, you know, you go to Europe and they got, uh, they got, um, countries over there where they have U, U10, U11, U12, yeah. and on up national team. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have that until a couple of years ago. Wow. Like it's insane because, and you think about it, we just started that a couple of years ago and look at the talent that's coming in, Weston McKinney. Holistic, you know, like the right. Gio Reyna, yeah, like all these players that we're finally starting to get. It's like it, it will only do you justice if you uh, if you produce talent at a young age. Because if you look in Europe, you look at those U thirteen, U fourteen, Germany's, those Spains, those uh, Brazils. I mean, you look at it; those kids are playing against their top talent at thirteen, fourteen years old, all exactly. the way up into their twenties. About by the time they get up to a mature age and they're on the A team, on the national team, they've done been played against the best their whole life. Right. So, you know what I mean? On a continental level. Exactly. And even, like you said, the World Cup, it's on a a world level. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. I think the U.S. is finally starting to get around. I I still think we're a little bit of a ways away from the U.S. being a, a top like soccer being a top three sport in the United States. I think it can get there, but I feel like these next 10 years are going to be crucial with the World Cup. We got Copa America coming here next year. Um, uh, club, you see they announced the FIFA Club uh, World Cup is coming here. Yeah. Uh, Huge I mean, news. Just, yeah, Messi's coming here. They, they need. We need that. <laughs> Bad. Well, once again, we got Austin TFTV member here live. Austin TFT member live called in. Let me know what you think about uh, 
What do you think about the performance of, of the Nashville, Nashville SC against against the Columbus Crew? It was a tough game, a tough atmosphere to go into, especially missing three starters. Shaq Moore didn't start. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, From the jump, I mean, almost 30 seconds in, I mean, we almost let up a goal. Right. Um, you could tell they came out with good energy. Um, they needed it. They wanted it. They've been actually playing well lately. Right. Um, Cucho was a monster. Missing, yeah, yeah. We uh, we we've been we've been struggling here the past two games without Schaffelberg, uh, Papa uh, Pico. Yep. Um, I mean, just that is really exposing our our lack of depth. Like we do not have depth at all. I mean, we no. have a great starting eleven. But outside of that, <laughs> it, it's hard when you don't have any other scoring options. Yeah, and everything's you know, on on Mukhtar. Everything. Yeah, Henny can he can definitely take over a game, and he can definitely like he can be quiet for eighty nine minutes. But if you give him that one opportunity, he'll cash it in for sure. But you cannot rely on him to do that every game because it's just it's unsustainable. You you just cannot. I feel like um, I feel like the defense uh, struggled a bit. Um, uh, I feel like. Uh, there's no reason, in my opinion, Dax McCarty should be in a game at any point. No. Um, I don't even know why he's still on the roster. Um, <laughs> like, literally, he, it, the, man, like, the man is too old to be playing. Yeah. yeah How I, old is he again? No reason why, yeah, that man's like 38. Oh, hell. That man's like LeBron, but uh, <laughs> a, a fraction of the talent. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you said, though, in the first, uh, first 30 seconds, hell, Columbus kicked off. And, you know, Nash was yeah. in their shape of the back five, the wing back sitting up, and they kick a ball right into the channel in between the wing back and the and the center back, and they almost get a chance off of it. They uh, almost score. Yeah. Yeah. It, and um, I feel like, too, our, our midfield uh, struggled uh, a bit at times. Yeah. Um, I'll have to look. I forgot. Uh, who, I need to go back and look. Who started? I don't even think Adore played. Now nah, Leal started and McCarty started and Anuga started in midfield. Oh, well, that's your problem. Yeah. <laughs> so they they didn't have any. They only had forty seven percent possession and the game was really. I mean, it was. I said earlier it was all transition based. They they could not get any control. Nashville couldn't. Yeah. The only control they had is when they were on in defense and sort of controlling the space. But even then, that wasn't good enough. You know that, like you said, that yeah. goes to the midfield. Yeah. No, I I thought. Um... Oh, that's right. Godoy is probably on international. He's probably playing with uh, Panama right now. Right. Um, uh, Liel, I swear, that man could be so good if he can just get over his energy, uh, injuries. Mm-hmm. It's so insane. Like, hit, hit him pre-injury, dude, he, he, he's a ball player. Like, he's really, really good, but, man, he just can't stay – he can't stay consistent. That's, that's one of the things that's really, really hurting him right now. Right, oh, he he's like dynamic he, as hell, he, man. He's one of those awesome dude. Yeah, he can he can definitely push it forward. Yeah. Um, do you think he should be playing but, more further further forward with the diamond? He's able to. He has the liberty to get further forward, but I feel like he was sort of hampered with the the system they yeah. played and this past this past weekend in the five three two. He had a lot more defensive work he had to do. Exactly. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, I think that was by just. Uh, I think they decided to do that just by nature of them not having uh, the offensive numbers to, to, you know, to really do something in the stack. Right. Um, 
but I also feel like you can't get too conservative, you know? Right. Because it felt to me like Gary Smith was just content with them, with taking the blows and just trying to launch counterattacks because that's how he felt was the only way we were going to be able to get an opportunity to score, which, I mean, he probably is right, but <laughs> still. But when they know, started he, playing, when they started playing and getting more proactive and, and started possessing the ball more, they looked a lot better and a lot more dangerous. They had Columbus on the back foot. He did the same thing midweek where they came out really just too stale and, and not aggressive enough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a big, I'm not a big Gary Smith fan. Um, his, I mean, I feel like I, he's definitely gotten better over the years. Right. I felt like uh, years past, but I mean, it was by, uh, by necessity based on our, our roster. Um, yeah. I just hate how conservative he really is. Yeah, um, I do like how aggressive we have been though when we have everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're also able to do that because you have the players that we have. Um, sort of I catch twenty two, ain't it? Yeah, yeah. I do think though that this, yeah, we need to take advantage because you know we got League Cup coming up next month. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's gonna and, bring the bring the depth even to that's gonna stress the lack of depth even more. Yes. That's why I feel like we need to get a. We definitely need to get a striker ASAP, so you can get them acclimated, give them a couple weeks of run. You know what I'm saying? Give them a couple games. So I think they're going to go all in on the League Cup because U.S. Open, mm-hmm. the U.S. Open Cup. Uh, I I think MLS won't be playing in that here in the next year or two. Right. Honestly, um, I feel like there's so many more tournaments that they just you know they're just now starting. Yeah. That's more lucrative. That's more you know. Um, uh, enticing to compete mm-hmm. in, uh, Lee or the U.S. Open Cup. I mean, you're playing against a bunch. Of, no, no USL team has ever won it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, there's no real incentive to really win it. It's like, oh well, you, you beat a bunch of USL teams. Like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> um, but I feel like Lee's Cup, man. I, th- I think they're gonna go all in. You know, because I, you know, it's funny. It's like. I think it's funny when I know people who don't watch soccer consistently on right. Twitter, and they're like, "Why, why, why are we putting in scrubs against um, you know, such and such in this league or in this uh, U.S. Open?" I'm like, "Bro, this tournament doesn't, this tournament doesn't really mean anything." Exactly, um, it's like the Carabao Cup in England. England. It don't mean yeah. shit. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think, um, uh, I think, yeah, we need to get a striker in here, ASAP, get him acclimated. So, you know, this leads to, I feel like if we, if we're a hundred percent and we have everybody, uh, I feel like we can make a run. I, I personally feel like, uh, we are a striker away from being the best team in the league. We could. Um, yeah. when, we're, when people are healthy. Uh, yeah, exactly. Cause we've never, I mean, we haven't had this complete of a team. Like we actually have an attack. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a really good defense, and Joe Willis is playing um, at a insane elite level right now. Right. Um, Zimmerman played really well too in the past game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, uh, I think they should, they should go and make a splash. I mean, the the owner, I mean, they got money. Right. It's not like they don't have money. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, th- I think if they get a striker like a like we said a bigger profile striker, I think they'd be, I think they'd be good, man. To be honest, yeah, Jens Odegaard from uh Dan- from uh he's a Danish uh, youth international. You know who he is? Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's why he yeah, was he-, he was linked too in the article. Yeah, he uh, I mean, he's more of a right winger, but he but can play forward. If he's if he's a right winger, though, I'm sure he sort of plays more 
on the inside, like in that half space. That way, you don't want him on the taking up, like being on the touchline, taking away from Shaq Moore. You know. Yeah, he's an inverted right winger. Exactly. Um, so that that'll fit perfect. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he definitely has the pace. Um, I, I somebody said Jordan Pifo. Oh God. <laughs> Danish youth international Odegaard is a different type of forward. Where he can play centrally. He's earned most of his minutes as an inverted right winger. Yeah, strong in the air. That's exactly what they need. Yep. Impressive pace. It's according to BSM. He's only twenty. He's only twenty-four. See, I that's think, the that's a good I mean, profile. They, there. They, they put uh they pay what like six point two for uh, uh Akeloba. Right. Yeah, you can you can pay six point four for Come on now. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be interesting these next couple of weeks. See what Nashville does. They better do something. <laughs> We're gonna see, man. They got to get healthy first. So yeah, they got to get healthy, and you know, not having a midweek game this week helps a lot too. So right. exactly, yeah. We had three games in seven days. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough, man. That's tough. Real quick, real quick. What do you think about uh, how many stolen bases you think Acuna is gonna end up with? He's already got thirty-five. Uh, I think he's. I think he's coming. Mm. Uh, Give me I a number. 60. He's on pace for 80. Yeah, I, but. You think he stops I'm, running? I'm going to stick with. Uh, yeah, I'm, I will know. I think he's going to I think he's going to get 60. No, I'm going to be. I'm going to play it safe. I was about to say, um, that's playing safe. I, he's already got 35, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We're still I'm not even halfway through the season for sure. Right. Um. Yeah. I think he's probably going to clear that. I mean, it's just a dude. Like, Acuna is – that man, when he's healthy, is the best player in baseball. One of them, for sure. For sure. He's hitting 328, 16 homers, 35 stolen bases with 47 ribbies. That's insane. Yeah, he's 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 on a different uh, – and, and I was actually um, – uh, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, and he was like, like this level – of, of of talent that the, the the Braves have right now is comparable to what they had in what what they had in the nineties. I mean, how they went to the the, uh, the World Series what five times in the nineties? Right, won what um, 13, 14 divisions in a row. Yeah, yeah. I I, I feel like um, I think they're gonna they're gonna win the East, obviously with ease. Um, right. I think I do think they have a good. Uh, a good chance to make some shake in the uh, in the playoffs, considering how everybody else is doing currently. Right, the NLs um, the NL isn't really uh, as strong mm-hmm. as it's been. Of course, you got to worry about the Dodgers and uh, and the Padres right. that be there, you know. But yeah, but the Central is pretty weak this year. Uh, the East, I mean, the Braves got that wrapped up. So yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I at least yeah. I at least predict the Braves to make it to the the uh, champion the championship series. At the very minimum, yeah, the NLCS. Yeah, I want I want Acuna to to make it all the way. I want I want him to win one where he's actually playing. Right. Um, yeah, that'll be you know important I mean? for him. Like, don't get me wrong; they, they definitely wouldn't have got there if, if he didn't do what he did for the first half of that uh, that season um, where he tore his ACL. But but I know it would be you know a lot better if he could actually play in one. But right, I definitely. Yeah. I bet he's probably got a bone to pick about that. You know, wanting wanting to do oh, yeah. that. He has to have it in him. Oh, yeah. Pause. Right. But yeah, man, we got Austin. Appreciate you calling in, buddy. We'll have the uh, next show will be Friday. Friday, 6 o'clock a.m., bright and early to 8 p.m., man. Appreciate you, Austin. Yes, sir. You're good one. All right. Bye. Take it easy. 
All right, let's wrap this son of a gun up. We had a good show, good show, sports section, sports section morning show sponsored by and presented by TFTV, Tennessee Fan TV. Let's get some tunes going. You don't know what I go through in my life. Appreciate y'all for a good show. Appreciate y'all for a good show. Wrapping this bad boy up. Back on Friday, 6 o'clock a.m. Bright and early. Y'all have a good week. Good work week. Everybody get to work. Hope y'all got to work on time. Hope y'all are getting to work on time. We the only thing I see forever and a day is you Start the week off right by listening to TFTV and the Sports Sex and Morning Show. Pressure, I can see I'm watching and it's trying to be better. But you one in a million, you ain't average. Girl, I promise I'ma have you living lavish. Take a trip, girl, we're about to vanish. Cause I'll go anywhere, anywhere. Just as long as you with me. Cause girl, I know that you get me. So I'll go anywhere. About the way they're looking at us Cause I know they wish they had it And they know we doing damage to the game I don't care about the stereotype I can never do it mono We the stereotype I'm talking left, right, link I'm talking left, hand, ring I'm talking this right here forever We ain't here just for the summer Always on 10 We ain't never had to come up Young right now But we gon' watch the numbers run up Honestly, I love the way you carry it It was an easy decision I had to marry it Honeymoon, I'ma put you on a chariot And they don't make them like you no more No pressure I can see I'm watching and they try to do better But you one in a million, you ain't average Girl, I promise I'ma have you living lavish Take a trip, girl, we're about to vanish Cause I'll go anywhere, anywhere Just as long as you with me Cause girl, I know that you get me So I'll go anywhere Cause I'll go Alright, alright, we're back We'll be back on Friday Friday, 6 o'clock, bright and early You start your weekend with us, you start your week with us Whatever you want to do TFTV signing out, appreciate y'all